This is an A&D podcast. We're a group of guys journeying together to follow Jesus more closely. So welcome to another podcast. My name is Rich, and today we're going to do things a little bit differently. So we don't have the usual team with us today. It's just myself and a special guest. Um, and that special guest is B. So hello, B. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me on board. I'm so excited to be here. I'm not as excited as I am to uh, to tell your story um, for our listeners. Um, for, yeah, for our listeners, B has got an amazing story, which um, I've had the privilege of witnessing over the last three years and really wanted to to get beyond to, to our podcast so she can tell her story for herself because it is an inspiring story. Um but way, a way of introdu- introduction, um, just so our listeners can understand a little bit more about you, I've got some three random quick fire questions for you, B. You ready? Let's, yeah, let's go for it. So what's your favorite film of all time? Um, uh, uh, what would you call it? Frozen. Yeah. Frozen. Good. Yeah. Uh, what's the most you have ever laughed? Uh, it was, um, we were having dinner with some friends uh, a couple of weeks ago. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. Was it crying with laughter? Did it hurt? Um, Actually, just to correct that, uh, I I said uh, a few friends and we locked down. It wasn't friends, it was my (laughs) (laughs) husband. Yeah, it was actually crying with laughter. It was just, it was not, it was not just me. It was just like, all the housemates I have um, I live with three other girls um so uh, it's something somebody said and we're all crying and uh, it was really funny brilliant what's the best meal you've ever shared it was um it was a jacket of potato again with the house recently so I I guess (laughs) I really reflect and like treasure every little moment so yeah brilliant so it wasn't the potato being particularly tasty it was the it was the company and the moment yeah, it was a company, and we had quite the spread of of fillings. So yeah, it was nice. Good, good. Yeah, cool. So, um, so we're we're going to tell your story of the last three years um, in this podcast, and so um, I'm basically going to hand over to you, B, to 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 give us, um, yeah, to start your story. So if we roll back three years or so ago, back to the start of 2018. Um, Things were going pretty well, weren't they? And then things took a turn for the worse. So just wanted, do you want to take us back to the beginning of 2018? Yeah, so uh, so the year was 2018, as you say, and um, it was in March. Um, so at the time, I was uh, I was a graduate and I was working for um, a design consultancy. So my back- background is in engineering, civil engineering. Um, and I just like, you know, uh, packed up with the job there, had resigned because I wanted to do some uh, education uh, related work in Kenya um so yeah so I, I handed in my resignation uh, my boss was like you know he was quite pleased with it was like I'll support you if you need any references or anything like that to let me know and and off I was so I wanted to actually move back to Kenya for good but I wanted to go back initially um to kind of like lay the groundwork um and you know talk to a few people and also there's there's a couple of workshops I was going to do with some friends um, so that's where it all began. Um, and, you know, at that time when I was leaving, I had had, um, I'd had a chest infection that I'd gone to my GP for and I'd gotten antibiotics. And to be fair, I started feeling better and I was on the mend. I wasn't feeling all that rough. I was, you know, it's just a bit of coughing here and there, but nothing too serious. Um, and uh, so I got to Kenya. Uh, I went went over with my best friend, uh, my traveling buddy, and like you know, as you do in normal Kenyan fashion, there's always a wedding to go to on a Saturday. Uh, <laughs> actually, if you're very, it depends. If you're very sociable, then you have two weddings on a Saturday. That's how much people get married. <laughs> so we went we went for a wedding uh, for the first weekend. We were there actually when we arrived the you know, on a Saturday. The wedding was during the day, uh, so we went for the wedding and then we went, we went off to the coast for a holiday. Um, by the seaside um, and you know so my cough started getting worse at that point um, you know I was coughing a lot I was there was lack of appetite and you know there was you know um, I was uh, I was being sick and you know being sick and being sick from both ends if you know what I mean yeah um, and uh, yeah it was, yeah so I was feeling a bit rough so I, I I went to a local hospital to get some 
you know, medical advice and, and the, um, they did, they took some bloods and um, they gave me some more antibiotics. They said it was an infection. So I didn't, I didn't th- think too much of it. Yeah. Wow. So not the best start to your trip out there, but um, I guess at the time you're thinking it's just, just uh, you've just picked up a bug of some sort and it will sort itself out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I went, I went, you know, so I was, I planned to stay for a month. Uh, so my best friend was only there for two weeks. So she left. Um, so I was, you know, still taking this meds, but I was just getting worse by the day. So like, in fact, my legs started swelling. Um, and also like, you know, I was struggling to breathe. I couldn't get up and down the stairs doing normal stuff, like, you know, taking a shower and getting dressed was just a chore. And so, you know, and, and, so I was still talking to my best friend at this time and uh, I hadn't told my parents about it because I didn't want to worry them. Um, so she said, and your, and she, your parents are in England, aren't they? Oh this yes, time. they are. Yeah. 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 Hey, mum and dad, if you ever listen to this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I didn't want to worry them. So I, um, but my best friend had seen me. She had seen the state I was in. Uh, so when she had, I was getting one, she was like, okay, right. Next flight back you know you don't need to stay there so the workshops were coming up in like the following week so I was like oh I need to stay for the workshops I'd prep for it I'd committed to it um there were other people involved I didn't want to let them down you know I'm an Enneagram too as well if that you know rings a bell for anyone so you know yeah. um yeah so it, it's not my personality my personality I don't want to disappoint people I don't want to let people down but anyway so um yeah but she was like no you're not feeling well you need to come back so I was like okay yeah so she booked the flight back and she organized um airport transfer as well because i was uh, i was changing the flight at Istanbul, and honestly okay. i could not walk around i was short of breath a lot and i remember even when i when i showed up at the desk to to like you know check in at nairobi airport the guy just looked at me he was like are you sure you are allowed to travel I was like yeah yeah yeah, i'm feeling well i wasn't mm-hmm. feeling well but like, i didn't want him to stop me from yeah i just wanted to get on the plane i guess yeah and just you know go to hospital so um so yeah so I, I came back to the UK um, and uh, a friend picked me up from the airport and went straight to Roebuckshire Hospital in okay. Reading. Um, and, you know, I went to accident and emergency and they started doing some tests. Um, and uh, so the first thing that they did was an x-ray because when I told them my symptoms, like I'm struggling to breathe and, mm. you know, I'm having palpitations and all that kind of stuff uh so they did an x-ray and then when they did the x-ray they're like oh your heart is like three times the size it should be and wow. i was like oh how, how's that possible um so they um yeah so on having a, a closer look they're like oh your, your heart looks inflamed and also like your legs as well they're swollen that's why they're swollen so you've got inflammation so i had like fluid retention around the mm. heart so like right. the sack of heart, you know there was like water uh, in it so like they inserted a tube from the side of my ribs and they drained the water out um doctors are so clever i don't know how they did that but mm. uh, amazing stuff so um so so they did that and then they carried you know so at this point where i'm sitting in an accident emergency and because it was like a heart issue they transferred me to a cardiac ward for monitoring and uh so they were still doing some more tests my my temperature was spiking up and down it would go up and come back to normal so they wouldn't let me go home just yet because they were like we don't want you to just come back here again you know might as well sort it out um so so yeah so they kept doing the test and and did some more blood tests and um and i just want to note something that happened that that was so profound at this point i was in hospital for two weeks now at this point and uh you know, I'd had a bit of quiet time and, and there were some, a, a few things. Well, there's one particular event that happened in my childhood, um, uh, which was, uh, I was actually sexually assaulted when I was a child. Um, and I remember thinking when I was going to Kenya at that point, I was, I was thinking, I'm going to find this guy. And if I see him, I'm going to be his face until he dies. That's how much anger I had. And that's how much heart I was still carrying with me. Mm. And I remember that point in time, God actually dealt with that. And wow. um, and I didn't even know like things were about to take a turn as well. Mm. Uh, and things were about to get a bit more interesting. So I just wanted to highlight that, you know, uh, wow. that's, that was the start of my journey. And that's an area that I didn't even think God cared about. Mm. Uh, I never talked to him about it. Uh, I never even told my mom about it. Um, so, yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. Gosh. Um, and then, um, so you've been in hospital for two weeks um, at this stage? Yeah, yeah I'm um, in hospital for two weeks, yeah. Um, so they, they finish off with the tests. The tests are taking quite a long time, you know, like three, four days, three, four working days. Um, you, know, uh, you know, at this point, you know, uh, uh, you've got, I've got family and friends coming around to see me and things of that nature. Yeah, so the test results came back and uh, the doctors uh, came around and they told me I've got lupus. And um, yeah, and so that was really shocking for me. I didn't even know what lupus was. So they left me with some pamphlets to read. Mm. And I was not in state to start reading stuff. You know, I was just relying on what they told me. Um so uh so at that point I was just like okay so what does this mean and and will I still be able to my worst fear at that time was being stuck in the in the hospital system mm-hmm. and not being and being on drugs for the rest of my life and like being in and out of hospital uh I'd seen my dad do that like you know and I dread I I didn't like it at all and mm-hmm. of course you know I'm still young and I'm just like you know I've got I had plans. Like I said, I just quit my job to do this thing. Um, so I was not impressed. I was like, I need to get on with my life. And yeah. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, so at that point also things got a little bit worse as well. Um so they had said, you know, you need to start treatment straight away. Um, and because of the level that, you know, the the condition was at that point, as I need to start you know, chemo, which is just like a series of treatments. Um, so, um, so I started the chemo, but then things got worse as well. So, um, because the, because of the way the condition works, so I had, uh, it affected my house as well. Mm. Um, I had, um, I had heart failure. So what that looked like was, um, I, I just, I just couldn't breathe and like my heart wasn't functioning properly. And uh, the last thing I remember is the doctors asking me, is there somebody you would like to call? Um, so my mom was by my side at that point. Um, and I said, you know, can I, can I call my best friend? So they ran my best friend and she came down as soon as possible. Uh, I think they, they're told that I don't have long left. Because um, my mom and my loved ones, I've got less than 24 hours to live. Mm. Um, and they're taking me to the ICU unit at this point for monitoring um and and yeah and and they called out these doctors as well from london um from westminster st thomas's hospital um so they had called them and told them we have a patient here she's really unwell and we don't know what to do uh can you can you bring help <laughs> send mm. help literally um so so yeah so the doctors from london came out with the life support machine it's called an, an ecmo mm. and um at that point, they took me to the theatre, and they 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 installed the life support machine. Um, so what the life support machine did was because my heart was quite weak, it was inflamed, mm. uh, it wasn't pumping blood blood around the body properly. Mm. Uh, sorry, it wasn't pumping blood around the the body properly. Uh, so it was a bit weak. Um, so what the machine was doing, it was doing the work that my heart yeah. couldn't do. Gosh, and were, were you, were you, uh, were you, how much, how aware were you of what was happening at this point? Was it all a bit of a daze or were you aware of the, the severity of, of the situation? Um, so at this point, I, I, I wasn't very much aware of what was going on because I was very unwell. I was in and out of it. Mm. So, and also I was quite medicated. So they're putting tubes through my neck to, you know, kind of put in a, IV fluids and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was really sedated. Um, mm. And also I wasn't, I wasn't eating. My body was very, very weak. Um, and because, you know, I was, I was at the point of death, like I was just, you know, dwindling away, so to speak. Uh, my body was just focusing on the most vital stuff. So my brain wasn't, you know, wasn't, wasn't fully, I wasn't mm. conscious to speak um, and so it was focusing on just kind of like keeping me alive and as a matter of fact my um, my limbs had started like you know if your body is shutting down it starts with the least important stuff like your limbs right. your, your, your arms and your legs and stuff like that and I actually had this like a, a bit of dead tissue at the tip of my finger so my mm. body had actually started shutting down Gosh. Um, 
yeah so um so that that was the situation at that point so uh they put in the life support machine and they took me with them to uh St Thomas's and um so the next time I the next time I woke up I was in another different hospital I was at in a specialist hospital uh, uh that's that specializes with l- lungs and heart that's okay. what they specialize in uh, in Axbridge um so and I was in a room by myself there were no other patients in the room um but my my family was there um yeah wow okay <laughs> so you you wake up and um i guess it's all a bit confusing how how are you where's your faith at this point what are you what are you feeling is um yeah are you even thinking in faith terms at that stage well it's hard to hard to imagine how how you how you were no i'm not i'm not thinking in faith terms at that point because my brain wasn't i hadn't processed what had happened to me i was in a position to process what had happened mm. uh, I, i could only make out what was the people that were in the room and uh i hadn't even seen myself because i was covered with a blanket right. uh, it was only maybe like maybe a week in or something um i had a feeding tube uh down my nose so i remember taking that out in the middle of the night um and so that's when my you know when i could gain an appetite and kind of see what was happening around me that's when i started to ask questions like why right. do i have to pull out on my legs um at that point that's when i my faith got shook and i mm. was just like okay um is this permanent mm uh why why do i why do i have tubes sticking out of my neck why why do i have like cannulas everywhere like i had mm. a cannula on both arms and so the doctors would come round on their on their ward round um in the morning and they they explained to me i think they could suss out now my consciousness was more or less there so they could give me information mm. um so the only thing i remember them saying is cardiac myopathy um and heart failure that's the only thing i remember um yeah. so um so they kept giving me medication i was i was just lying there in the bed and so day in day out i was in this room lying down on the bed i couldn't move i had everything done for me mm. uh, i couldn't uh, you know i i had to be fed my arms were really weak um and and yeah it was just it just seemed endless it, it just seemed like days and days and weeks and weeks mm. and at that point like i could not see any end to it the only thing i can compare it to is like maybe this lockdown where you know you've had kind of like hope given to you oh yeah the lockdown is going to end and then it doesn't end and then there's more time given and you know there's sort of like you can see a, sort of like a glimmer of hope but you don't know when it's going to happen yeah um yeah so what they used to do with uh the life support machine is um they would carry out scans to see how my heart is is progressing to see if mm. it's getting better because they're giving me the medication and they would take me away to the theater um turn down the capacity of the machine see how my heart was coping and then mm. uh, evaluate whether it's safe enough to take it um to remove it um and now you know it was a bit risky because the the machine is artificial so it's tubes really so there's there's a lot of risk like you know it could come out the tube could come out and i could bleed everywhere because it's attached to an artery in my leg uh, there could also be a blood clot because it's artificial uh and again don't want to leave it uh me in it for too long because also my my muscles were wasting away mm. i was moving and you lose your muscles like really quickly um so there was a risk that i wouldn't be able to walk again if i lost too much muscle um so yeah so there was that um and i remember this what the second time they took me to the theater that is what really tested my faith um and i was so sure like i had so much hope i was like okay they've taken me once they, this is the second time the the new sound really positive i'm sure they're going to take out the machine now um because the taking out the machine was key to me starting my physio yeah. so then i home. so there were all these sequence of events that were related to me going home i just wanted to go home <laughs> yeah um yeah so i they take me to the theater and 
And then when I wake up, when I came out, I, st- I still see the tubes on me mm. and I, I cried so much. I remember crying so much and, uh, and like the pain, I can't even explain how much pain I felt because then my, my hopes were so crushed yeah. and I was, just, this is never going to end. Um, so yeah. And, and, and what are you, what are you feeling about God at that stage? Do you, are you questioning whether he exists or you, what, what exactly was it doing to your faith? How is it? How is it shaking your faith? Uh, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking much about God at that point. In fact, I had shut him. I had made myself numb to thinking mm. about whether he exists or not at that point, because, like, I was so heartbroken. Like, my hope was so crushed mm. that, you know, going into that surgery the second time, I believed so much because you know. Everyone had been praying for me. When yeah. I say everyone, I mean like my family, the entire community, Kenyan community in Reading, and everyone that knew me, even my church as well. Everyone that knew about the news was praying for me. So, uh, so there was a lot riding on it. Mm. Um, and so I, I, at that point, I was just thinking, okay, I, I don't even care. I'm just going to take it one day at a time. If I survive one day and I get through the next, then that's how that's just that's just how yeah. I'm going to get through it. Um, so I wasn't counting on God anymore at this point. I was just like, it will be what it will be, and I was I was numb. I, mm. Yeah. Gosh, I think um, I think you mentioned to me before that um, you ended up watching the royal wedding in hospital. Was that right when Harry and Meghan got married? Yes, yes. I was. I <laughs> this was May, uh, beginning of May now. Yeah, so you've. Yeah, so March. So that's yeah, two months. So you'd been in there for yeah, two months. Yeah, so wow. I was watching. Yeah, I was watching the royal wedding, and uh, so time was it was just lapsing. And I guess you know, it, 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 only, it, apart it, from like it, events like that, there's nothing else to look forward to. Those no, yeah. it, it it stuck in my mind that B because um, <laughs> I'm almost ashamed to admit it, but on that same day, I. I pulled my back trying to lift a wardrobe. And so I was, I was lying on my living room floor in with back pain, watching that same wedding, feeling quite sorry for myself. And uh, I realized it kind of puts that little back pain that I had into perspective. So um, yeah, hopefully next time I have a little muscle injury, I won't be so, uh, I won't, uh, I won't dwell on it so much, but um, so yeah, two months in hospital and um do you start to see some some improvement when when do things start to when does the tide start to turn uh yep so after at at that point when i came out uh, when they tried to do the surgery the second time uh they said okay right you have to start physio now because uh we can't afford for you to lose all your muscle strength mm. uh, so i started physio and physio looked pretty much like being moved into like a this sliding bed and standing up straight and starting with something as simple as knee bends. I was pretty much like a toddler. I couldn't move. Like I, if they let go of me, they, they had, you know, tied me up to like this, um, this bed that they lift, uh, they tilted to like a standing position and I started doing knee bends. Um, mm. so they, in fact, they didn't, they didn't let go of both legs. I would do one knee bend at a time for one leg. Well, you know, the other one is secured because they, they let go of anything, I would just pretty much like flop to the ground. That's just Gosh. how weak my entire body was. Mm. Um, and it was pretty much developing all the muscles all over my back muscles. I couldn't even sit up on the edge of the bed myself. Uh, so everything was just, you know, starting again from scratch. And so, uh, but I remember I was so determined. I was like, okay, this <laughs> is the key to getting home. So I need to really put the work in. So if that was me to do five knee bends, I did eight. <laughs> I can and imagine. <laughs> I can imagine you doing that. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I did eight, and you know, I was at this point. I wasn't trusting God. I was just relying on my own willpower. Mm. Um, and I think with time, and my mom kept encouraging me. She was like, "You don't know how far God has brought you. Like, you're literally mm. dying. If He's brought you this far, trust me, this is nothing." And of course, I couldn't see that because I hadn't experienced that. I was like unconscious. Yeah. Um, so well, more or less unconscious. Um. So, yeah, so I was just riding on willpower. And to be quite honest, like 
community, the prayers of others carried me along. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so I, 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 I regain strength and it's time to leave the hostel when I can walk up and down the stairs and life begins. Wow. So, so you were in hospital for two, two and a half months in total. Was that right? Yeah, two and a half months. So I left the hospital end of May, bank holiday. Uh, I was like, okay, I don't want to spend the weekend here at the bank holiday. <laughs> and so when you're, I mean, that must have that must have been a pretty euphoric moment, presumably, when you, you finally get out of hospital and you're feeling like, yeah, the, the, the future is actually looking more normal than it than it once than it was when you were you had tubes coming out of you so what 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 were you feeling at that stage oh it was i was it was such a relief it was like okay right okay so i'm gonna uh so i'm going to start my life all over again now but then now it was i was struggling with a sense of purpose and meaning i was like mm. okay so now I'm out of hospital what am i going to do with my life um, i mean that's so, so presumably that is a result of you you've come so close to losing your life you're now sensing how precious our lives are your life is and therefore you want to make the most of it presumably yeah yeah yeah, most definitely yeah and um so i started you know just you know um, so I said, you know, I would talk to my mom and I would ask her, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And she'd be like, just, you know, just take your time. God has like amazing plans for you. Just take your time and recover. Because as much as like my muscles had regained strength, I could only walk up and down the stairs and that's what mm. we want. Um, so like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, it wasn't like back to normal, completely back to normal. I had to kind of like rehabilitate to a new mm. normal um you know with, with visiting in our hospital and stuff like that and taking meds and uh just kind of reacquainting myself to what my new body what my body was what my body was now capable of doing as opposed to what it could do before yeah. um so uh so yeah so that included as well like my social life you know i don't know perhaps i don't know getting into relationships stuff like that you know just normal life i guess yeah um so um yeah, so I guess that led me to the next phase uh, of uh, the next step of courage that I had to take, um, and I, I didn't realize it was going to be quite interesting and very hard. Yeah, so so yeah. for for our listeners, maybe I'll make, they may be thinking that yeah, the story is all about this um, near death incident and coming so close to losing your life, um, but that's only the start of your incredible journey over the last three years and so we're now we're now going into kind of phase two of that journey I guess um and this is where you've come through the suffering mm-hmm. um you've you've had a a hellish two and a half three months um and now you've come out the other side and you've got a renewed vigor for life wanting to make the most of opportunities um right. and and I think also yeah relationships was a big part of that um yeah and um yeah, I think you you ended up going back to Kenya, didn't you, for um for a time? Yes, I did. Uh yeah, I went I went back to Kenya for a bit. Um and um so um there's also a relationship that I was pursuing um uh, at the time. Um and um there was there was real intention and you know I was I was pretty excited about it because things were going great and uh you know and you know I'd it was kind of it was honoring because you know we had involved community and stuff like that so it was it was looking really good and somebody had known for quite a while and um they'd become a really good friend um so um but then there was a bit of a situation on my end um so um uh, so i felt like you know being truthful in relationships is really important and uh, most people don't do it because of like you know we fear you know we fear rejection there might be shame uh, associated with what we might say to this other person and mm. of course we were afraid that you know if we come out and say this thing they might walk away um and and oftentimes like you know telling the truth might either be a bridge or like you know it might, it might end things but at the, at the end of the day the truth is the truth yeah um so uh so i had the situation where uh the, the my age on my paperwork was different from 
my actual age. So uh, date on my paperwork was three years. So I was three years older. I was three years younger on my paperwork than my actual age. So okay. uh, so the person I was in a relationship with only knew what was on paper because when I uh, I was struggling to. Um, I didn't know what, what birthday to celebrate. So I used to celebrate what I could prove on paper and I just forgot about the other one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, my family knew about it and like, you know, it was only on a need to know basis. And because it, it was related to an immigration issue, it was very sensitive. And um, so I was, I was scared of, you know, what might happen if people find out, oh yeah, you know, you've got this duality, um, you know, any repercussions that might come out of that. And, and things of that nature. So I went ahead and, and told um, and told him the truth about my age difference. And and of course, like you know, it was uh, it kind of broke trust a little bit because it was you know it was like getting to know a completely different person now. The person that he knew was like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I signed up for this other B, not this B. So um, so and I understood you know where he was coming from, and sadly. The relationship, you know, we went separate ways. Um, but uh, but that that began um, my journey to kind of uh, put things right uh, mm. and the same person in every space. Um, and um, and because it had happened before, my relationship had another relationship had broken up before, and I wasn't going to start doing it because of uh, relationships. But I I just wanted to move forward with with true integrity, with true, um, we're just wanting to be the same person and also get, um, letting people get to know me, the real me, mm. the real age, uh, you know, and just kind of like coming out of that, of that trap of not, of hiding or like, you know, out of fear of what might happen uh, and things of that nature. So I started embarking on that journey to put things right. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I think you mentioned to me also you were you you were reading Esther, um, and yeah. that really convicted. What what point at what point in time did you were you reading Esther? When did that happen? Um, yeah, so um, so so when that happened, so so when the relationship fell apart, and I I approached uh, a couple of trusted friends. Uh, Rich was one of those people. And um, I told them the truth as well because they didn't know that either. They didn't know that I had this duality, um, and and there was a lot of like compassion and a lot of support, and in in every sense of the word, and a lot of prayer, and and also like um, just exposing it to people that I trust. That meant that I wasn't going at it alone. I was I was going to war with people who are ready to support me and ready to pray for me, and you know, and they're just. You know, it's just a really honouring thing to do, and and like mm. a really humbling thing to do as well. To be honest, um, so I, I, I was going to say, I, bet, I remember B when you shared that with us, um, yeah. and and I remember it distinctly. I think there was six of us that you were sharing it with, yeah. and you were clearly very nervous about telling us, yeah. um, and and I think you said to me afterwards, you were really worried about being judged for for what you'd done. Yeah. And and you were so you were so grateful. Um, in your words, you said, "Oh, you're just so grateful that we were gracious." And 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 I was thinking to myself. I mean, I was lost for words because I was just really humbled by what you were, what you were saying, and what you were wanting to do. Mm. Because you was you you didn't have to do anything. You could have simply said, "This was years ago." Um, and you know it's in the past and there's nothing i can do about it now um and even if you did want to do something about it there could be really severe consequences but instead you were saying no this is not right and i need to put it right regardless of the consequences and and i was thinking to myself i'm just totally humbled by by your integrity and your 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 strength of character to want to do that and um yeah, the phrase that was in my mind was, "It's easy to be gracious when you've been completely humbled," um, and that's and that's how I felt by what you were what you were saying and what you were intending to do. Yeah, yeah, and it's so interesting that you say that and and that kind of perspective because you know, 
I think a lot, a lot of people, including like my, this, this is a really good example. A lot of people struggle with, you know, telling the truth, whether it's coming out of addiction, coming out of, you know, whatever, pornography or gambling or anything of that nature. And the enemy wants us to stay hidden. He wants mm. us to, you know, live this lie. Um, and the word of God says that love covers a multitude of sins. And like, um, you know, the more like, you know, we run to people who love us and who really see us and they have our best interest, interest at heart and can, can pray for us and, you know, support us and like, mm. uh, who see eye to eye in terms of like our faith, you know, the more like we're able to overcome, you know, these things that the enemy can use against yeah. us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a really good point that you say. Um, and, and you mentioned, um, when you said about, uh, you know, I was, I wanted to run with it and, you know, and go after integrity. That's, that's exact, that same time that I read that story about Esther right. and, uh, you know, Esther in the Bible, um, she was a Jew and, uh, she, she ended up in the palace. And at that point, the Jews were being killed left, right and center because, you know, uh, because of the rivalry between the different, um, the, the different people groups. And, uh, she had to, she had to pretend that she's not a Jew uh, otherwise she would have been killed as well. And so Mordecai, her uncle, was telling her when she wanted to back out or she was scared about it, you know, she she, you know, he told her, you know, could it be that you've been put in such a place for such a time as this? Mm. If you don't step out in faith, if you don't do this, somebody else will rise up from uh from our nation and 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 do this thing um while while your people will perish. And for me, that was like a real cha challenge for me and God was speaking to me at that point and it, it was really encouraging. So I, you know, it's good to rely on friends as well and people mm. that you trust, but also sometimes you need your own conviction to yeah. move forward. That's yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's a very applicable story, isn't it? Cause she, Esther effectively had to come clean and, yeah. and she yeah. said to that she came clean to the King and so, you know, divulged that she was a Jew um, yeah. and therefore risking her life. But in the process, she was also able to save, um, all the other Jews that were in exile in in Persia at the time. Um, yeah, right. But what's, what's amazing though, B, is I mean, so often I think we we read stories in the Bible and we feel convicted about it, but rarely do we actually take any action. Um, but what you did was to read that story and say, well, uh, yeah, I've I've got to do the same regardless of the consequences. Yeah, yeah, so, that's right. So what what was your next step then? So so we we've had this conversation which i think was june wasn't it june 2019 yeah, um, um you feel convicted to do something you shared it with with friends yeah. um you've got a passport that says the wrong date yeah. and you want to change it um but you're also conscious that in order to change it you've got to explain why it needs to be changed so what yeah. what was your what was your next step yeah, so so my next step was to seek legal advice uh, because I um, so I, I was I was born in Kenya and I'd been naturalized as a British citizen, and when you're naturalized, you declare that all the information on this thing is correct, and you know there's no reason why it wouldn't be correct. So um, so and according to the Immigration Act, if if that's not correct, then there's you're liable to various things: fine, imprisonment, deportation, etc. The list goes on. So I had to seek legal advice and and to see how I can go about things, um, and and change the situation and change you know the paperwork so then it reflects my actual age. Um, so I went to two solicitors, two separate solicitors, and they told me, "Don't do it. It's not a good idea. It's not going to end well." Yeah. It's over again, don't do it. It's not yeah. good. Yes. Right now. <laughs> so so I, I came I came with with you to see one of those solicitors, didn't I? And and um. Again, I remember the conversation. That the 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 first thing was the solicitor was completely baffled as to why you were doing it. Yeah. And yeah. and I remember they they offered you a discount because they they said you know this has never happened before, um, and they yeah. were clearly interested in your case because they thought well okay this this could be really interesting and so we'll offer you a discount. Um, yeah. But then the other thing I remember is she the, the the solicitor was she was very professional careful with what she was saying but she was also trying to make it very clear that she thought it was a very risky thing to do 
Yeah, and yeah. and I remember sat there with you, and she was clearly putting a bit of pressure on to say, "Do you really want to do this?" And and I remember you, yeah, you you were shaken, if I remember rightly. It was it was a tough thing to hear, but you sat there and said, "Nope, I'm I'm going to do it." Mm-hmm. Um, it was yeah, it was pretty powerful to watch, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, and 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 there were various points during the process as well. So after you know she advised on how we should go about uh, should go about writing the first letter to the Home Office. So I wrote that first letter, and then they advised that I should fill out some forms with some more information. And I remember one key question was, you know, why are you coming out with this information now? <laughs> and it was one to answer. And I, I, you know, I wanted to be truthful, but also, you know, what do I say? Um, and so I just said, like, I felt like it was time. And that, that was that was the right answer. You it was know, truthful. It was time. And, and it was truthful, yeah. Um, so I just I just filled out the form and I, and I sent it back. And, of course, you know, it, 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 it's been a long process. Um, it's taken you know, like a year and a half. And um, then the pandemic started as well. And, uh, you know, so there was a period of waiting and waiting and waiting and praying and hope and just praying that God will come through. And uh, because I, I was... You know, I was telling God throughout this time that God, I, I just don't honor you with this, and I know that you won't fail me because you know I'm just trying to do what's honorable and what's right, um, and I'm trusting you completely with this. So, and I think a hundred percent, there's no way I would have been able to embark on this journey if God hadn't taken me through that healing process that He mm. did before when I was in hospital, because it really built my, my faith as to what God can do. Yeah, um, so powerful. And your um, so the um, it wasn't a simple journey. Um, so you've you've written to the Home Office. You've seen the solicitors. They've given you advice in terms of how to do what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, you've started on that process. Written to the Home Office, and and then then what happens? Uh, um. Yeah. And I remember. Well, yeah. The Home Office wrote back to me at one point, and they said this cannot be done. Mm. Uh, they asked me to provide some information actually uh provide my birth certificate so i had to source it from kenya because i didn't have it at the time so um you know um i got i got some friends to help me uh, get my birth certificate um so i provided them with all the information that they needed uh and they still came back to me and said you know this is not common practice we've never done this before, yeah. so we don't think we can change it uh, but we've considered it, you know, we've given it massive consideration. So, so, so just <laughs> so um, I remember you. I remember you sharing that um, they basically that the Home Office had come back and said, you know, okay, but you, you haven't got the right evidence, so there's nothing we can do um, yeah. because I think they wanted a birth certificate that were, well, they wanted the original certificate, and yeah. um, and I remember thinking my 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 reaction to that was, well, you've done the right thing, you've given it a really good go. You've acted with integrity, but there's nothing more you can do. Um, But that wasn't quite how you reacted, was it? Uh, No, I mean, but because they they were saying that we haven't done this before. They were not saying that it's impossible. You know, and they said, you know, we need something that's a bit closer to your date of birth, like school records or something or um, or something like that. So I I went back to, you know, my contacts in Kenya and I'm, uh, I liaise with them to get that information uh, because, well, it's true. They were not saying that it cannot be done. <laughs> done before. So in essence, not telling me no, just saying, it just hasn't been done. Yeah. Um, but perhaps we can. So to me, that was like, yeah, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. So, um, so I got more information and I, and I sent it to them. And I remember they really took a long time and I got my MPs involved as well to pick it up <laughs> on my behalf. Because <laughs> um, I, just, I just wanted to, <laughs> to put, possibly help them a bit more. And I, you know, and even when I got the MP involved, it still took a while, uh, maybe because of the pandemic as well. Mm. But then I, I wrote them to them again. I was like, okay, if, if there's any more questions you have and maybe a face-to-face interview or something would help clarify things and uh help you reach a decision i'd be happy to do that i've tried to be a tr- as transparent and and honest as i can uh anything else that would help you just let me know i'd be happy to oblige um and, and that's when they came back to me now uh, maybe a couple of months later and they said we've decided to endorse your certificate hmm. and you can get wow. uh, a new 
what with your actual date of birth so yeah wow I mean, yeah. so so the the verse that came to mind to me the uh, when I was thinking about this today was you know in Isaiah 50 verse 7 where it uses that phrase set set your mind like flint and it's referring to how the messiah will come and, and suffer and have to set his face uh, set mm-hmm. his mind like flint and um that for me is um exactly what you did it's that unwavering determination to persevere regardless you'd set your mind like flint that you were going to do this because Mm. that is what god is asking you to do and and nothing was going to put you know push you off course whether that be the solicitors the home office um the risks involved or or whatever it was um yeah real real powerful story of of perseverance and courage you know that that's the other thing for me that um really stands out in your in your story is um is courage and typically when we think about courage or when courage manifests itself um it's usually because we've got something big to gain out of it and, and i think all of us have the capacity to be co- courageous if there's something in it for us you know whether that be leaving a job to pursue our passions or breaking free from a bad relationship or fighting some injustice that we're under it's it's, it's easier to be courageous in those situations but what you were doing was being courageous to suffer there was it was the courage to suffer that really stood out for me because you had so much that you could lose from that act of integrity and that act of faith um but you you persevered regardless and that's gospel courage really isn't it it's you know that's the the same courage that god have to to come down to earth as a man and die on a cross it's it's the courage to suffer oh just yeah. an unbelievable story but it really is humbling to listen to so so you've now you've got the uh you've got the the letter that you need um how are you feeling about it all now how would you summarize that the last three years wow it's been a roller coaster it's been quite an adventure it's been a fun one as well um so yeah so actually i've I've received the endorsed uh, naturalization certificate already and i i sent it off for my new passport so uh, so hopefully when things open up, I can be able to travel with my new passport. That would be great. <laughs> but Brilliant. yeah, but the last last three years have been um, like, it's been such a journey of like leaning in a bit more to God every single time and like trusting him more. And I've never come to this point in my life. My my faith is not unshakable. Like there's <laughs> nothing to tell me that is impossible. There's nothing. And like, um, and I'm experiencing God's presence more like because I believe in him more and I'm able to tell um, other people about him more and express him more in my music I express him more and just you know everything that I do and I live a life I try anyway to live a life more boldly uh, because I I've seen what God can do mm. um yeah and I know hopefully it's not it's not the end of the road God will be able to do so much more yeah oh, I'm sure of that and so, and so, how do you feel now about the future? So you roll back to uh, April, May time, twenty eighteen, when you've got all the you've you've woken up, you've you've gone into the the uh, the operating theatre, and and they haven't taken all of those tubes out of you, and you came out of that operating theatre, and you woke up, and you saw the tubes again, and you thought, um, what, what, where is the future? Where is the hope? now three years on how do you feel about the future um three years on um i'm just reminded of the lady that had the issue of blood in the bible and um so once she got healed jesus told her like may god give you peace Mm. and um there's how i feel about the future is like you know it's one thing for god to deliver us from this thing from to deliver us from um and give us an identity like you know god has already given us an identity i.e we're his sons we're his daughters and we need to live in freedom of that we need to live in in the fullness of that Mm. and the fact that we don't trust him enough with some of the things that we pray about it's a reflection that we don't trust him 
like that. So the future looks like fully living like like a child of God mm. uh, in just fully on the basis of what I've seen him do. And of course, you know, it's been a whole new revelation of who I am in, in Christ. Um, so the future just looks like that and just taking on more, um, apprehending more, everything that God has for me and like just um, living in full purpose and showcasing that as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, others, yeah. Oh, so good. And I, the the verse that I suspect many um, of the of our listeners have probably thought of already is 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 Romans five verses three to five, mm-hmm. where it talks about glory in our sufferings, mm-hmm. and it says because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and and your story is is exactly that in in the over the last three years i mean the suffering um that you endured coming very close to death and then having to rehabilitate um and then off also the the suffering from a from the relationship that didn't that didn't happen that that wasn't wasted um and it was it was your perseverance in amongst that suffering and then and then onwards once your character had been shaped to to persevere yet more with the the process of of changing your your date of birth um yeah. it just speaks of a character that is that has been really refined in the fire um and the hope at which you now speak of because of that character it just it's it's a it's a humbling story to listen to b and and i'm and i'm so pleased that you've um yeah, you are happy to come and, and share it with us because I, my hope is that it will, it will encourage those of us that are suffering at the moment, but it will yeah. also be an inspiration to see that, you know, God doesn't waste that suffering. It's yeah, um, yeah. no, no, and and again, that's yeah, as Paul writes in Romans, another one of those, you know, classic verses that we all tend to remember that he makes all things work together for the good of those that love him it's a really big line that but i don't think many people have really experienced it in the way that you have that can say yeah that that what paul is talking about there is not that god makes suffering go away that's not what he's saying he's saying that whatever the situation god can use it for good and and that is so beautifully shown in your in your story of the last three years. He's used that that awful period where you nearly died, mm-hmm. and and that period of of having to trust in him with the the I guess the threat of of a fine or imprisonment or being extradited. Um, you know that yeah. that that really challenging period has um, has not been wasted, and um, your character is is the fruit of that, that perseverance. Yeah. yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. So good. Thank you so much for um, sharing your story. It's um, yeah. Brilliant story. And I look forward to, to seeing what's next. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been such an honor to journey with you and uh, yeah, we look forward to what, what more God is going to do. <laughs> Amen listening to an A&D podcast. Keep your ears out for some further podcasts or head to aliveanddangerous.co.uk where you can hear talks from previous events or find information on future events. If you'd like to get in touch, you can also grab us through the contact card where we'd love to hear from you.